Welcome to the Mindful Bloom Podcast. This is a show where we apply the principles of mindfulness, science, and the sacred womb so you can feel calm, informed, and most importantly, confident throughout the transformational cycles of your ever-changing womb. Pregnancy and parenthood offer unique opportunities to create new patterns and practices so we can ditch the stress and anxiety and embrace change with ease. And in the process, become the best versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Clara O'Rourke, she, her, a certified doula, childbirth educator, and complete nerd about all things pregnancy, birth, and mindfulness. If you're ready to get some tangible strategies, aha moments, and a good dose of calm and grounding energy, stick around and I promise you'll enjoy the ride as we learn and evolve together. This is the Mindful Womb Podcast. Creating a birth plan can have a huge impact on your birth experience. However, I see over and over again that expectant parents make a few key mistakes when they are making their birth plans that either make them less effective or actually set them up for a more disappointing birth experience. So in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what the heck birth plans are and dive into the key five mistakes that you should definitely avoid when creating your birth plan. So let's dive in. So a birth plan is, I would say, a pretty controversial topic, right? Because a lot of people say, you know, why the heck would you make a birth plan? You can't plan birth. Now, I completely agree with that. We should not be making a plan because we cannot plan birth, but we can plan for birth. There's a difference there, right? So when we are approaching our birth plans from a perspective that I am trying to control every minute detail about my birth experience so that it goes according to plan A, and that is the only good birth experience that could possibly be satisfying to me. Now that is setting you up for disappointment. That's setting you up for not necessarily collaborative conversations with your birth team um, and can be a really, really challenging mindset to reframe from. Now, how I like to approach birth plans are less of a set of clear steps and a plan, but I like to approach birth plans as a list of preferences, right? So these are things that I would like to happen. These are certain things that are important to me. And this is what I need to communicate with the essential members of my birth team so that they're able to back me up and support me in any way that I need when it comes to implementing my preferences. And it's also, in my opinion, a birth plan or how I phrase mine. Yes, I have a birth plan template, but I call it a birth preferences template for folks who end up downloading it and getting more familiar with it. What I encourage people do is make sure that it is an advocacy tool, right? At the end of the day, you want to have a birth plan that is going to help you communicate what your values and your preferences are with anyone who is supporting you so that everyone can get on board and quickly, instantly know this is exactly what you want. This is how we can support you. So you don't have to be spending that time. When you're in labor, you go into labor land. We want to facilitate altered states of consciousness where you're super chill, meditative, able to ride those waves of labor. 
like a champ. You don't want to be getting into your monkey brain and trying to advocate for different preferences. No, 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 no. That is your partner's role. That is your doula's role. That is your labor and delivery nurse's role. All of us are working in tandem to support your preferences. So you don't even have to worry about that. You know that your birth team has got you. We're creating the conditions and the supportive environment for you to birth freely, calmly, in a grounded state of mind. So when it comes to creating a birth plan, I think what I see a lot of people do, and actually I have a little bit of fear about too, because I have a free birth plan template that has been downloaded by thousands of people. And my biggest fear, and I think a big mistake I see a lot of people make, is copying a birth plan template they found online without fully reviewing it and understanding what the preferences are, right? So they might download a template and say, well, this was created by a childbirth educator or a doula who likes maybe a more unmedicated or natural approach. This is just going to be my birth preferences. Well, the whole point of creating a birth plan is that it is an empowering process. So if you're not already going in and taking the time to unpack what you want to communicate, what are your values, what are your preferences that are necessary for your birth team to know about, well, you just bypassed a huge step of the entire birth plan process, right? So many people are just looking at creating a birth plan as like a simple checkoff to-do list, right? So finding a generic copy of something that is online is an easy way to just check the box. But that's unfortunately not the case. First and foremost, creating a birth plan is so much more than a paper that you print out. It is an educational process where you're learning about your options. You're learning how to talk about those options with your care team. You're learning how to advocate for your preferences. And you're knowing how your care team is showing up to support your preferences, right? I think that there is this fabulous quote from a good birth, a safe birth. It says, if you don't know your options, you don't have any. And so the process of creating a birth plan, it takes time because a key component of that process is you researching what your options are. Maybe you've learned most of those options from taking a childbirth education class, but if you haven't, right, you're needing to understand what options are going to be presented with you to you at birth and what preferences you have about those different options, right? You're also going to be learning about your care team's philosophy about birth and how it aligns to your preferences and how you're going to make key decisions and advocate for those preferences during birth. So when it comes to a simple copy and paste of a template you found online, unfortunately, that's a huge mistake, right? Because we're not looking at it as a process. We're looking at it as a checkbox. And when we don't integrate and fully understand that this is a part of our journey, this is a part of our advocacy journey, then we set ourselves up for oftentimes disappointment because we are presented with different options and don't really understand the rationale behind the different preferences that maybe we put on our plan. So the next mistake I see folks make is arguably maybe the opposite of the other mistake, and that is creating an extremely long or like an essay-style birth plan. 
And so these are long narrative style plans. And in so many ways, I think that these are beautiful and they're deeply moving and they are a way to express kind of your vision and your values in a way that is just so personal and so unique. There is beauty to that. And while I think that that creating like a long narrative plan about what you're envisioning your birth experience is, how you would like your birth to go, I think the extremely long SI style birth plans are problematic and ineffective for two reasons. They're ineffective first and foremost because if they're a long SI style plan, I'm going to be honest with you, when it comes to your medical team, most of them are not going to read it. Most of them are not going to read a long essay. And if they are, they're likely not going to take out the key preferences that is really important for them to know and put into action. More so, they're going to kind of get to know you and understand your values and who you are as a person, which is beautiful. And that might be something that you decide to share as a part of your journey in developing a rapport with whoever is going to be present at your birth. But when it comes to advocating for your preferences and your desires, that's not an effective way to communicate them. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. The second reason why it is not effective is because I do think that an essay style plan tends to also be a little bit more specific and can also get us into a mindset of like, this is an actual plan of the step-by-step how everything is supposed to go. And that is more so falling into that camp of planning birth, not planning for birth. We're trying to plan birth. And when we have this narrative style plan, like I'm going to labor at home for X amount of hours and have all of these things at my disposal, okay, great. We can plan for that. We can plan to have a lot of different things. But when we have a long narrative plan and all of a sudden something changes, for example, you decide that you're going to go in for an induction. Well, then all this lengthy step-by-step instruction of what you've mapped out for early labor totally changes, right? So instead of having this long drawn out narrative plan, it's important to create a birth plan that is much more targeted and specific and infused with the information that your care team really needs to know in order to best support you. Now, the absolute best practice is to keep your birth plan to one page. I also highly recommend using a visual birth plan and instead of using that long narrative text. So I recommend a visual birth plan because what helps with this is you use very few words to describe what you do and what you don't want. Sometimes with the longer narrative plans, what we see happen is sometimes people misread tone or maybe they actually just don't extract the information that they need to from the longer text. And so what we want is for someone to quickly and easily see what is important for you and get reminded of that. So I want you to think if you're giving birth in a hospital setting, you have a birth plan. It is your doula or your partner's responsibility to make sure if there's a shift change from nurse to nurse that the new nurse is briefed on your birth plan. A lot of times, nurses will brief each other. So if the nurse you were working with had your birth plan, she might talk through the with the next nurse what the preferences are. But it's always good to check. Not all nurses do that, unfortunately. And um, you're 
you're talking with a nurse who has a lot going on, right? So making sure that they have this one page visual plan of like, these are my preferences and this is what is really important. Well, this should be your partner talking. These are so-and-so's preferences. This is what's really important to them, X, Y, and Z. Making sure that they're on board and uh, aware of all of those preferences is so important. We have a one-page visual plan. It's very easy to be strict, quick, and to the point so that they understand those preferences and aren't just kind of like waffling and flip-flopping uh, and reading this like long narrative plan that is super confusing to them, right? So for those of you who are like, oh, yes, I understand that makes sense. A visual birth plan template makes a lot of sense. I have a free template. Again, do not copy it verbatim. It is completely customizable and designed to be customizable so that you make it your own. But you can check that out in the link in the show notes at, um, at clearlightbirth.com slash birth dash plan. Now, the second mistake I see a lot of people make when they're making a birth plan is they just make one plan. A lot of people plan for their ideal birth experience, and that is it. And I know that planning to a T probably appeals to, you know, my fellow type A personality folks, right? A plan is the plan is the plan type mindset, right? Like this is what we're doing. I'm sorry. This is it. No room for negotiation. But it's so it might feel in this moment a lot easier to wrap your mind around just one plan and think, okay, this is how I want to give birth. These are my preferences. And that's it. Like, no, we're not negotiating. We're not having any other conversations. These are my preferences. And this is how birth is going to go. As a childbirth educator and a doula, I fully embrace the fact that birth is unpredictable. And while we can plan for birth, we can't plan it. And so if we're only making one plan, well, it makes it so that if anything deviates from that one plan, it can be really, really challenging. So what I recommend folks do is they create at least three plans. Um, it depends on what your initial you know, anticipated birth experience is going to be or where you're going to give birth. It might be a little bit different if you're planning a home birth. But if you're planning a hospital birth, the three plans I would recommend someone make are a you know, your ideal birth plan if you spontaneously go into labor, your plan if you choose to have an induction, and the third would be a plan if you choose to have a cesarean birth. But the reason why planning for all three of those scenarios is so powerful is because regardless of how birth goes, you've created a plan that is adaptable to support how birth can unfold. Most of the time, we're not going to see you deviate from one of those three plans. If an emergency happens where you are informed and you know that having a surgical birth is going to be the best option for your health and or your baby's health, then you've planned and thought through and understand what that could look like. The mistake of only making one plan of going into spontaneous labor and having a lower vaginal birth is that you haven't planned for the unknown of potentially needing to get a cesarean. So if you are at that moment in your labor, then you haven't thought out your options and you feel less in control and less grounded in making those decisions. That's not where I want you to be. I want you to feel confident on whatever decision you make 
The ideal scenario is we never have to bring out that plan gentle cesarean preferences sheet, right? But we might need to. And if we do, you're going to be very happy you did the work ahead of time, right? So um, that mistake, mistake number three is making only one plan and trying to adhere strictly to one plan. And of course, when we're thinking about these plans, knowing that they can change, they can be adapted, they can be flexible, not to the sense where your carotene is not honoring your preferences, but you might change your mind and kind of bend or change your preferences in the course of your pregnancy as you learn more information or as different things present themselves. The fourth mistake I see people make all of the time when it comes to creating a birth plan is not reviewing their birth plan with their support team or their care provider. Now, the reason why this is such a big mistake is because your birth plan is only powerful if your care team knows about it and you've had conversations about how they're going to support you in implementing your birth plan. A birth plan is about how you get everyone on your birth team on the same page to support you so you can surrender in to the birth process and know that the people around you are fully supporting you every step of the way. They know your preferences. You don't have to worry about advocating for them because they got you. They know what you need. They know what you want. And you're not having to have conversations about a preference because they're all working in tandem and can work as a team to make sure that your preferences are honored and that your voice, your voice that created that plan is at the center of your birth experience. I want to remind you, you have the right to birth in the way in which you desire. However, you might find that your care provider is not necessarily super supportive of your autonomy or of your preferences. And so when you take a moment to review your birth preferences from your birth plan with your provider, you get a better sense of how well they are going to support you. Now, there are a lot of ways in which you can do this and have this conversation with your provider. We unpack this in depth in both my birth plan masterclass and my path to a powerful birth birth course, because the one thing you don't want to do is ask your provider, do you support X or can I do this? Because in general, most people have a tendency to want to appease and please, right? So everyone wants to be a yes person and say yes to things, right? So if you're asking them and phrasing a question, if it's going to be a yes or no answer, then your provider might be basically saying, yes, yes, we do this. This is fine. This is yes, yes, we agree. When in practice, they don't typically support those. So that's something that we see actually, unfortunately, a decent amount in the birth community, which is like a bait and switch. And I don't think providers are meaning to be disingenuous, but I do think that sometimes they want to make sure that you're feeling a certain way, but then their actual practice doesn't reflect that, right? So there's a lot of ways, and we unpack this a lot in my course about how to actually have those conversations and review your plan with your provider that's not going to just get you this, yes, yes, we agree with this, we agree with this mentality from your provider, but actually let you know 
the nuances of an interview here where you can get a sense, is my provider going to be supportive of me? Are they going to support me birth in the way that I want to? So that is why if you leave the advocacy and communication elements out of your birth planning process, you've really lost the essence of your birth plan, right? If you have this sheet of paper, that's great. If you have this sheet of paper that you haven't reviewed with your care team and it's just coming out for the first time in labor, you might say, well, I want to labor in water. And then in that moment, learn that labor and delivery unit only had one room that had a bath and you didn't get access to it because you didn't ask for it early. Or maybe you learned that they don't have that at all and you would have had access to a different facility that did because that was an important part of your birth plan, right? So Creating a birth plan and the actual physical paper of that plan is not it. It's about the process of creating that plan, of stepping into your power, about starting to use your voice and actually advocating for those preferences and understanding how your birth team is going to support you in actualizing that. Now, the final and the fifth mistake that we're going to talk about is the sense that believing that your birth plan is going to ensure that you're going to get the birth experience you want. Now, there are a lot of factors that contribute to having a satisfying birth experience. Some we can control and some we cannot. We have control over three factors that make a huge difference in our birthing experience, and that is planning, place, and provider. So when it comes to planning, That includes making your birth plan, getting education about what to expect, maybe through a childbirth education class, understanding your options, planning your advocacy strategies, making sure that you feel confident and grounded each step of the way in your birth experience. That is why planning is so important. Second, place relates to where you choose to birth your baby. There are Things to consider like policy, atmosphere, culture, comfort, infrastructure. There's so many different elements about where we choose to birth our babies that can influence our experience. And research actually shows that the place that we give birth has more of an influence on the health outcomes of us and our babies than pre-existing health outcomes do, than the provider who we chose has, right? So the culture of the institution that we are going to give birth in matters greatly. And then lastly, the provider we choose is a huge factor. Not all providers are the same. Not all have the same training. Not all have the same beliefs or practices. You can have a midwife who practices more in the style of an OB than a midwife who practices in the style of like a home birth midwife, right? So the way in which providers practice is vast. And some ways in which providers practice is going to resonate with you and the way in which other providers practice might not resonate with you that much. So it's really important that you find a provider or a team of providers who you feel really comfortable with, who supports you and supports you in birthing in the way that you desire. They check their ego at the door and recognize that your preferences are important to your birth experience. They are someone who values giving you information about informed consent, but ultimately understand that you are the decision maker and all of the power lies in your hands when it comes to your birth experience. So when it comes to writing your birth plan, I don't want you to think that simply creating the birth plan is going to ensure that you have an amazing birth experience. 
what will ensure you have an amazing birth experience is that you've done the planning and prep work needed. So yes, that includes making a birth plan, knowing your options, getting educated, planning out what is important to you, understanding your preferences. Also figuring out where is the best place for you to give birth when it comes to the type of experience you want. And ultimately assembling your powerful birth team, which includes finding a medical provider who supports you and understands that your birth, that you are the center of your birth experience and honors you for the powerful badass that you are. Now we unpack all of these elements and so much more in a path to a powerful birth. So if you're curious about learning a little bit more, we have a whole lesson on creating birth plans. Of course, um, I also have my birth plan masterclass that is kind of like an intensive masterclass specifically on creating an excellent birth plan and how to advocate for those choices. But if you're looking for something that is even more comprehensive, that goes into detail about mindset, about comfort measures, about interventions, about about preparing for postpartum, that gives you support about preparing to chest or breastfeed and lactation, that is a path to a powerful birth. And that is going to really up-level your birth experience because it infuses the the power of mindfulness and harnessing your intuition with the power of evidence-based information and science. So you can feel grounded and informed and confident and birth in your power without stress or worrying. Now, definitely check out my free resources as well. You can get the free visual birth plan template to get started with creating your birth plan to customize it and make it your own. That is one of my favorite resources and have been, and it's been used at over thousands and thousands of births. So we know it works well. Every time I hear from either my students or my clients that it was really well received by the staff that they were working with. It was really easy to understand and really help them not have to worry about all this back and forth when they're advocating for their preferences. So I hope you found walking through these mistakes helpful and have a better sense of how your birth plan can be an amazing asset for you in preparing for the birth of your baby. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for tuning into the Mindful Womb Podcast. If you're new to the show, I want to encourage you to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you haven't left a rating or review for the show yet, that's the absolute best way you could support the podcast. Go ahead and click rate and review, leave a review, and don't forget to take a screenshot. You can upload that at clearlightbirth.com slash review. And you'll see a link for that in the show notes. And in return, I will send you a free gift. So submit a review, submit a screenshot, and submit that to clearlightbirth.com slash review. Thanks again for supporting the podcast, and I'll see you in the next episode.